Hey there, welcome to the show. Uh, so, did everybody get an extra hour of sleep last night? Well, you know what? Here we go. We are in that time. Clocks fell back as usual. If your phone didn't tell you that, uh, well, just I am. And uh, yeah, that's it. You know what? Here we are. We are 12 noon. Kind of feels a little bit later than that, but. That's just because it's that first day of the change and uh, lots of things changing. Real estate market, you know, I'm going to say it's changing, but not nearly as much as most people think. But we're going to have a great discussion today. I've got a guest joining me um, a little bit later. Uh, he is uh, John Pasalis, and John is the president of Realosophy Realty. He's, uh, he really studies the numbers. You don't want to miss out you know, my, with my discussion with John and uh, he's going to be joining me in a little while. So when when we take a look at numbers, I think it's very important that we get the truth on what's going on in marketplaces and, you know, kind of break it down. So hopefully we can help you understand where we are in the world of real estate. And uh, speaking of the world of real estate, um, we do have a new, I call it a micro release. You know what? We're just kind of finishing up the year. Again, our Simple Investor product has stayed true to form, making sure everybody gets their monthly rent. Uh, I think we just surpassed 115,000 monthly rents paid out since we started. Nobody's ever missed uh, a month's rent. Nobody's ever had to pay for a repair. And more importantly, you'd never have to deal with a tenant. So if you want to find out more, go to thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, you'll be able to you know, get an idea of what we're up to. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, thesimpleinvestor1, you know, I do uh, I do let everybody know who my guests are coming up on each show and more importantly, you know, what is coming up next in the world of real estate. So, you know, as I said, uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit kind of a tame market right now. Um, I'm almost, I, I, it's really not even a calm before the storm because I don't know, there's really no storm to be had in, in real estate. You know, here we are, you know, when, whenever, whenever we take a look at November in, and it's kind of funny because weather can have a bit of an effect on it. But, you know, as we're creeping into the holiday season, this is normally where people start thinking of taking a break. So, you know, the stats coming out that we're at a record low of inventory in the marketplace, meaning the number of houses listed, you know, 20 year low. And, you know, I'm actually not that surprised. I think I think everybody is actually getting a little tired of real estate. And, you know, I hate to say that because, you know, I, I never tire of this stuff. But quite frankly, you know, I think everybody's just, you know, they've had it. They, they You know, bank increases, you know, a half a point the other week. U.S. Fed keeps, you know, they're, they're out of control as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, this is, this is the thing. I think everybody's just had a really long year of real estate. And so when we take a look at what's, you know, happening right now, it's okay. Everybody wants to take a breather. I, I know some of the some of the realtors out there, you know, they just came off a huge, huge year of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. And some of them were were really happy to see the summer slow down a little, but I still think people are probably gonna lick their wounds for a little while. And when we take a look at the marketplace, it's okay that we 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 quiet down, but there is a problem. You know, there of course when we when we slow down on listings and not as many many people are coming up in the market. You still have buyers that have to move. You still have some sellers that have to move as well. But, you know, there are buyers out there that are, are still looking around. You know, they're actively looking. When, when I talk, to, when I talk to, to realtors, you know, they're, they're, they're showing more homes, you know, of whatever's in the industry right now. But again, you know, people aren't quite pulling the trigger. They're just looking for that perfect house. And when people find the perfect house, we're still seeing a few multiple offers. I know it's, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, there are some neighborhoods that 
you know, maybe a house only comes up, you know, once every so many months and people have said, you know what, we, if, if a house comes up in this neighborhood, we're going to buy. And I still think people are still looking at it that way. You know, they're, they can still, you know, manipulate, uh, interest rates. They're still working with the lenders, you know, yeah, I get it. Uh, prices, uh, you know, the, the interest rates are up, you know, prices are kind of stagnant going down a little, there is a little bit of a, a year over year reduction, but quite frankly, you know, people still need a roof over their head. And why, why I say that this is now actually going to create a bit of a problem is the fact that we, we've recognized that a lot of the builders are also pulling back right now. Those new condominium launches, the projects, things like that, you know, potentially they are going to pull back. And, you know, where do a lot of our rentals come from? Well, of course, the condominium market. And it could be in the entire GTA, even the outer markets, you know, We've noticed over the last couple of years, more and more developments coming into the, some of the smaller towns. You know, they may not be 20 stories high, but they could be, you know, six stories high, still 100 units, you know, offering people a place to live. And, and mo in most cases, they rent because it's condominium owners and they rent them out. So where are we going to go with all this? Because if we are really starting to run out of inventory in the rental market, what does that typically do? As we all know, supply and demand, and this is why the rental market price is going up. You know, downtown Toronto, 20%, 25% in some areas, even 30% in others. You know, a lot of people are saying, hey, affordability is going by the wayside. Well, I think most people that have listened to me over the years know, know that my take on it is, is that, yeah, we're a world-class world city, uh, proximity to work, things like that. Yeah, it's going to be expensive. And it's not a lot we can do. The, you know, the government intervention, we know the government doesn't, doesn't do it. I mean, they just, no matter what, you know, I, I, think, I think most of them have good intentions. They just haven't figured it out. You know, when we take a look at the recent release by the provincial government, you know, I'm not going to slag them too much, but, you know, let's be real. We can't build as many homes as they think they, they want to have built, you know, and, and I talked about this last week with the uh, with the real estate talk triangle there with Dave Butler and Tim Serianos and you know my pet peeve behind all of this always is making commitments for 10 years when the first 5 years doesn't matter or the first 4 years or whatever the election cycle is first 2 years you know how about just doing what you promise the first year so forget about 150,000 units it's just look you're never going to pull that one out so why not tell us, you know what, this year we're going to add an extra on top of the market that we're already dealing with. We're going to add, you know, throw in an extra 25,000 units. How about that? How about, how about, you know, stop shooting for the stars. You know, how about being more realistic? Give people something that we can say, add a boy or, you know, way to go. Because right now I got to tell you, when the government tells us that they're going to help build more properties, everybody just hears crickets. It's not going to happen. So how about set a goal that you will actually achieve? Well, I know that'd be a staggering promise, you know, but here's the thing. It's not about getting the vote. It's actually about doing something and then having the track record. So again, you can make all the promises in, uh, that you want in the world. You can turn around and tell us, hey, no problem. We're going to let everybody do basement apartments. Um, the one thing I missed on that press release, how many new building inspectors and planners are you throwing into that? Guess what? Um, I didn't see any. So we're going to slam, you know, the municipalities with a whole lot of permits and nobody to manage them. So 
Again, before making promises, I always say to, to the politicians, uh, think about what you're promising because you know we've got, we've got way too much teeth on the backside saying you didn't do what you promised and you can promise it till you're blue in the face, but we can't get the work done. You know, and that comes down to just a huge amount of issues, most of it being labor. We just don't have the tradespeople to do all the work. So again, that's one of those things that I got a real pet peeve on. Sorry, I know I'm a little long-winded on it, but I had to, you know, I just got to get it out of my system. It's like, come on, guys. You know, we see the federal election, provincial election, then, you know, provincial releases. You know, I would be happy to sit down with Mr. Ford uh, you know, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening out there right now, Doug, you know, happy to sit down with you, give you a kind of a little spin on how I think we can get 20 or 30,000 units into the marketplace. You know, there, there, it's possible, but, um, I think we got to stop thinking conventionally and I think we've got to look at it another way. So that is just my take on it. And again, I know I get a little long winded on it, but you get a little frustrated, you know, it's like, come on, do you, you know, promise, promise something and deliver. And, and then, you know what, then you're going to get some faith back into people. So, but as I mentioned, the rent, the rental market, wow, you know, almost zero vacancy in Toronto. And which means that people are doing multiple offers, you know, that multiple offer thing in a rental, that's, 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 you know, unbelievable sometimes, you know, so people start bidding themselves up because they really want it. But again, you got to think about what you can afford. You know, it's great that you all of a sudden say, Hey, listen, I won the bid. But remember, you got to pay that every single month. And when uh, when the uh, anniversary of each year comes up, the uh, the um, landlord can turn around and increase your rent. And in some of those properties, by the way, there is no rent control. So you know they can increase it more than the typical you know two or two and a half or one point five or one percent that uh, some of the older properties have. So keep that in mind. You know, yeah, congratulations, you won. Oh boy, now you can't afford it. So these are the kind of things that, you know, I think people have to be mindful of when we are dealing with a market like this. Um, so, you know, pretty much uh, as far as the real estate market, like I said, I think we're going to see even a lower number in November. You know, October's coming out uh, and I mean lower number, I mean volume, not not dollar value. Uh, year over year, yeah, we're off a little bit off pace out of uh, October from 2021. Uh, September was actually kind of a draw. Uh, some markets a little bit like 2% higher, some 2% lower. So it, it pretty much a zero draw on in September. October, October was a big month last year. And so when we take a look at it, you know, there was no, there was no heat coming off that market. So November, I think if we go November to November, just because of the sheer low volume right now, I think that number is going to go up a little. I think people are going to sit there and say, okay, so the market adjusted by, you know, five, 8% year over year. And again, remember, you know, this is one of those marketplaces that it will have a boomerang effect. Once we stabilize our interest rates, you know, and uh, hey, Tiff Macklin from the Bank of Canada, I hope you're listening. You know, it's about time that we stopped increasing everything. Uh, I think you've done enough damage. Remember, this time last year, you promised that we were only going to go a quarter point at a time. And once again, that's not where we sit today. So, you know, if if the Bank of Canada starts to to flatten the curve there with interest rates, then I think what's going to happen is I think we will see a rebound in the market. It is going to take a little while. It's not going to happen overnight. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying your price is going back up in February or March of this year, but I definitely think there's going to be a, a rebound in the future. Is it 18, 24 months? Uh, we just got to keep our eyes on the interest rates because that's going to be the big driver. But as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, um, coming up after the break, I've got John Pasalis 
uh, joining me. He is the president of Realosophy Realty. And uh, by the way, if you want to follow me, uh, Instagram, the simple investor one. And we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my guest joining me this hour, he is definitely no stranger to real estate. And you know what? He's one of those people that you want to get to know because he does really calculate out the numbers and gets it all figured out. He is John Pasalis. He is president of the of Realosophy Realty, and it's a Toronto real estate brokerage. And they use a lot of data analysis to advise residential real estate buyers, sellers, and investors. So John, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And, and I got to tell you, it's been a little while since you and I last talked. In fact, I think we, we, you know, talking last year, we would have seen a different marketplace. The numbers are shifting daily right now. And I thought maybe today we, you and I can break down a few things. Um, and, and just maybe you can just start off with, give us an overview of, of how you do your business and why today it's even more important than ever for people to understand the numbers. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're you know we're in the residential real estate business. We help buyers and sellers, um, and it's it's a lot harder today to work because I mean, e even if you do simple things like trying to figure out what a home is worth for a buyer or for a seller, uh, that has changed dramatically even in six months. You know, we can't use comparable sales from six months ago. We can't use comparable sales from four months ago because prices were trending down pretty quickly. Um, so the information we have isn't perfect. We're comparing homes to other homes that aren't comparable, but sold very recently. So we, we need sort of like this real time look at what's happening, how quickly things are moving. Uh, so it has made things a lot more challenging when we're advising both buyers and sellers. Yeah. So John, you know, one of the things, as you mentioned, you know, real time, but you know, let's, let's kind of dig into this for a minute. Um, we're, we're at a historic low of inventory and also, you know, the number of transactions right now. I mean, you know, it, it feels like transactions have fallen off the cliff and, you know, you and I will hear references in the industry, you know, uh, sales are down by 40, 50%. You know, I always want to caution our listeners. We're not referring to price. We're, we're referring to activity, but so with so few sales, I guess it's even that much harder for you to analyze the numbers because again, you may not have two of the same, you know, you'll be doing apples to oranges. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's not a ton of, of comparables to look at right now, especially when we take into fact that we're only looking at sales over the past two, three months to really gauge uh, the value of the property. So that certainly has made it uh, a, a lot harder uh, to, to kind of figure out what is happening right now in real time. So, you know, what do you say to the people that, you know, uh, and, and again, referencing how we do take a look at the real estate, we take a look at the real estate market, you know, back in January, you know, we had this just, you know, incredible run, February being the peak, it was almost like what you would consider a pin market, because it just literally month of February, you know, sale prices were going up almost by 5% for a month. It was such an odd high. And then when it comes down, you know, everybody keeps using that as the measuring stick. It's a tough one because if we take a look at the sales year over year, you know, we're really that not that far off of, let's say, October 2021. Mm -hmm. So you're you're saying today, like what are sales compared to uh, like in October 2022 compared to last year? Yeah. So, so if you and I talk about, you know, one year ago today, you know, as far as prices, really prices have not, you know, been deterred in too many marketplaces too much. But you know, everybody keeps using the comparison that the market is dropping 
but we had this historic rise in the month of February of this year. So again, it's, you know, finding that baseline, what, what do people compare against right now? Well, I mean, that's the challenge. And for most of the spring, um, you know, and, and you have different perspectives. So traditionally in housing markets, we compare prices year over year. So, you know, if we look at May, for example, of 2022, we compare that to May of 2021 and say, wait, what are prices like? Uh, and we do that to kind of avoid sort of these seasonal impacts. But what happened this year is that prices started trending down pretty rapidly in the spring, right? And today we're probably down about 23 or 4% from February. Uh, and for most of the summer, we were still up over last year. And we were up over last year because for most of 2021, prices were flat. Prices only started to increase and accelerate uh, towards the end of 2021. Um, and, and right now, as we're moving into the fall market, this is where we're actually starting to see uh, prices trend down year over year. So like the average price, for example, in October from the Toronto Real Estate Board is actually down 6% over last year. And that decline is going to continue to increase uh, as we move towards February, which is the peak of the market. February, well, February 2022 was the peak. So as they move into February next year, uh, that's probably we're going to see the biggest decline. Right. So obviously, depending on when people purchased is where the benchmark gets set. But again, taking a look at the numbers. So, you know, based on that, when we started watching the price come off that peak of February, you know, so let's say next May, people will have to compare it to May 2022. And so, you know, this, what, what, where I'm trying to get to is obviously the equilibrium of a market, you know, and again, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I know it's something that you focus on because everybody needs to know where a baseline is in a marketplace. So, yeah. you know, is this something, you know, again, as you said, you know, we've got a moving target right now. We also are seeing reports in certain neighborhoods that prices are actually up year over year. And, and, and again, that's more of that micro market that people deal with, you know, that, that specific neighborhood where, you know, there's two houses that come up for sale in that market in a year. And still there's a few of those, those sales popping up. You know, we, we, we get some of the leading, you know, real estate people here. They say, you know, we actually had multiple offers and it, it just, it sounds like a contradiction right now. I mean, I think it is difficult for some people to make sense of this. I mean, I'd say in most of the GTA today, we are largely down from the peak and largely down year over year. Um, You know, that doesn't mean, though, some homes are not getting multiple offers, especially in the urban centers. Um, You know, multiple offers are a function of two things. Number one, you know, some agents... Are, are pricing homes low, you know? So one of our clients was looking up on bidding on a home that was listed for a million. I mean, it was really worth one three or one three five. Well, I mean, of course that home's gonna get multiple offers and sell for more than asking. Um, but the, the big thing that's happening right now, and the reason why agents are still pricing a little bit like this is that there's nothing to look at. I mean, our brokerage has tons of buyers looking at buying homes and there, there just isn't a lot for them to look at and buy. So when the one or two really nice houses come out on the market, you know, every buyer is chasing those homes. So uh, I, I, you know, so they're getting multiples. Some of them are selling for premiums more than what they should sell for. Um, but I'd still say we're probably still in a relatively sluggish market and, and we don't know what next year is gonna look like. And that's gonna largely depend on, you know, how many listings hit the market and, and what buyer demand and sentiment is like at that time. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I have to look at the numbers. And when we take a look at the GTA area last year, seeing 126,000 sales, you know, this year we're probably going to be sitting around, you know, mid to high 70s. You know, that, that, that is a huge, huge difference. I mean, you know, when you, when you drop a market out by, you know, 30, 40% as far as volume goes, you know, it's, it's one of two things. Either sellers just decide not to sell or there's no buyers. And, you know, based on the inventory, I'd say there's a lot of sellers that are just sitting on their hands saying, yeah, well, I'm not ready to go right now. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I mean, a lot of sell the challenge right now is that, you know, a lot of people who need to move from one home to another uh, are looking at how slow the market is. They're very reluctant to go out and buy and then list their home because they're worried you know, they don't know what they're going to get. They don't know how quickly their home's going to sell. So that has delayed people's moves because to, to kind of move safely in today's market, you know, most people are selling their home, current home first and then going out to look at buy something. And, and you know, that's obviously tough to do if you have a family and kids and you're settled into your home, uh, not knowing uh, where you're going to be living in three or four months. So that has largely, that's one of the reasons why uh, listings are quite low right now. Yeah. And of course, you know, when we take, when we take a look at the, the low listings, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there are some people that will have to sell, but, um, I think a lot of people are just going to wait it out, you know, and, and they could be the people that locked into the lower interest rates, you know, last year or the year before, you know, a lot of these people taking that five-year term as an idea. And, uh, and I think that's, that's one of those things. So, um, you know, John, I do want to talk a, a lot more with you. Um, folks, when we come back after the break, I'm going to have more with John Pasalis. He is the president of Realosophy Realty. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think that we should probably discuss when we come back is the fact that, are we looking at the same market as the U.S. did in 2000 and 2000, sorry, 2008 and 2009? So when we come back, I've got more with John. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is John Pasalis. And John is the president of Realosophy Realty, a Toronto real estate brokerage firm, which uses a lot of data analysis. And, you know, just before the break, we were talking about what's going on in the market today. And John, you know, we were talking about uh, the fact that there's just not nearly the number of homes in the market that uh, that we've seen over the last, you know, few years. And right now, you know, it just seems like there's a huge inventory shortage. But one of the things I thought I'd ask you is the fact that, you know, we we saw the U.S. and and not so much in Canada, but back in 2008, 2009, you know, when they had the subprime uh, mortgage market just take an absolute beating there. Um, are we in that marketplace? Are we going to see that kind of that change up like that? Well, I mean, we're, we're certainly going to see uh, a sluggish market, but I do not. I mean, I don't think any economist, I should say, expects us to experience what we saw uh, in the U.S. financial crisis in 2008 uh, and 2009. Uh, I think, you know, I think people are expecting a, a sluggish market, especially for next year, but not the type of systemic risk. A lot of that market was very speculative. The areas that got hit the hardest uh, had, had the high, like a very high number of investors loading up on a lot of debt. Um, and, and it caused significant financial problems and systemic problems. And I don't think that's going to happen today. That's not to say we, we may not see, we probably will see some downward pressure on prices, but it's probably not going to be uh, anything close to what we saw during uh, during the U.S. back in 2008. Right. You know, John, one of the, one of the things that I, I've talked about a fair bit here on the show, of course, is inventory. And when we talk about inventory, 
you know, it's not just the stuff that comes up on the market for sale. It's the, the real hardcore roof over your head inventory that can either be rented, sold, you know, obviously occupied. But, you know, recently the, the government, the provincial government has suggested that they're going to try to put 1.5 million new uh, residents into the works in the next 10 years. Uh, so, you know, if we do the math quickly, you know, 150,000 units right now if if we're if we've got the pedal to the metal with our builders we're lucky if we can pull out fifty five thousand, three times what you know they're, they're they're coming up with a math of three times of, of what we can currently produce how do we solve this inventory problem i mean you know i've asked a, a few experts uh, everybody's a little stymied by it um tell us where 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 do we get the homes that we're going to need over the next 10 years but i mean there's no solving it i mean this is just uh you know, politicians um, trying to make it look like they're trying to make housing affordable when we know they don't really want to make housing affordable. The fact is, the province cannot uh, drive 1.5 million 1.5 million home completions in the next 10 years. The fact is that new construction sales are declining. When new construction sales are declining rapidly the way they are now, that means fewer homes are going to be started over the next year. Uh, so this is not something any level of government can do. Um, and the fact is that both at the federal and provincial level, uh, we have this massive, massive population boom. And everyone thinks you can just, you know, surge our population and just build infinite number of homes. Well, that's not going to happen. So what is going to happen is we're going to probably, we're going to see some downward pressure in the market adjust to higher rates. Uh, but over time, over the next three, four, five years, we're going to continue to see upward pressure on home prices and rents because, um, you know, the federal government's new uh, immigration targets half a million people. Well, I mean, we can't we can't build enough housing. So uh, it's it's not a great outcome if we're thinking about housing affordability, because especially today, when we see that uh, we're going to be building fewer homes in the future because fewer homes are being purchased pre-construction right now. Yeah. And, you know, when we take a look at the numbers, and, and, and I'm glad you broke that down, is the fact that, you know, we do have the immigration increasing and, and they're pretty steadfast in that. They, they seem to, you know, want to tell us over the next, you know, X number of years, 500,000 people per year. You know, normally the GTA will take on about 250,000 of those, so about half. And again, taking a look at the numbers, as, as you alluded to, you know, some of this, this new condominiums, in fact, the investors are, they're actually going to the sidelines right now and they're kind of doing a wait and see. So if we're not bringing in the inventory with the condominiums, because those, those single use condominiums that some of these investors buy, they, they do put them back into the market for rental. So now mm -hmm. we're pulling back on the rental stock. And so can you talk to us about the effect that the rental market's happening? Because right now we're seeing obviously rents go up so, uh, significantly. Yeah, definitely. And, and what's happened over the past year is, you know, rents have exploded. You know, rents for condominiums are up about 20% over last year. Um, and part of that more recently has just been people moving out of off the, you know, to the sidelines from buying a home just because of high prices and, and market instability. And it decided to rent. So you know, for people who think we're, we have no housing issue, there's just not a shortage. I mean, that's not the case. I mean, rents do not surge 20% in a single year if you have an abundance of housing. I mean, that happens uh, when you don't have enough housing for people. Um, and again, moving into the next three, four years, if, if we're not selling uh, as many properties pre-construction, 
Uh, and if housing starts start declining, which is likely the case, that just means we're going to have fewer homes in the pipeline in the future, uh, which is going to make things even more challenging for households, in particular for households that, you know, the, the poorest level of the of this income ladder, because, you know, they're going to have very few options uh, when it comes to where to live and finding affordable rental because governments haven't really prioritized uh, prioritized that. And, and John, you know, the government had suggested, um, and, and I know the city of Toronto has done this, you know, they talk about laneway housing and now they're talking about, you know, more of the basement apartments. And it's interesting because they say, you know, they want to be able to fast track this, uh, allow, you know, investors or, or families to be able to put a basement apartment in. But the one thing I noticed on this release was they did not include increasing the number of uh, building inspectors and people yeah. that are going to do these approvals. So it's great that they say, okay, everybody, you can build a basement apartment, but here's the problem. You don't have an inspector. You don't have enough staff to actually, you know, facilitate this. You, you, you dump 10,000 building permits into a marketplace. It, it's going to wait list, you know, significantly. And so the, the solution still not being thought out, you know, uh, methodically. You know, the, the best part about that is I think the city, I saw someone post recently that the city of Toronto uh, released a report specifically on that, on the challenges they have uh, in hiring planners to their planning department. And one of the big barriers, they said, one of the big reasons it's so hard for them to hire people is high housing costs, um, which, I, which I thought was hilarious because it's, you know, this is part of the reason why we are where we are. And, and, and certainly you're right. I mean, all of the things that they're promising. And the fact is, you know, when you talk about basement apartments, anyone who wants one is putting them in today anyways, even if they don't get permits. So, you know, again, these aren't uh, massive solutions to our, our housing crisis. You need to build more uh, and building more basement rentals is, is certainly not the solution at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I definitely have to give it just a quick disclosure to our listeners, folks, if you are playing with the basement apartments, make sure you have two points of egress, make sure you've got fire rated drywall around any heating source. Cause these are the kind of things that, you know, we, we've seen nightmares where, you know, it's a basement apartment fire. Um, you know, you want your, your insurance company to know what you're doing, because if you do it, and it's illegal, guess what? Your insurance is going to be no good and somebody could end up, you know, in a very precarious position. So, um, you know, those are the kind of things that we've got to be mindful of. So again, like you said, John, you know, a lot of people are doing it even without the permission of, of the city or the municipality. But again, you know, I, I think we're setting ourselves up for, for a real doozy there. And, and again, the laneway housing, it's one of those things that people keep saying, not in my backyard. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's what one of our problems right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think with the laneway housing, I mean, the, the, the NIMBYs, the not in my backyard people can't really fight that as much now. I mean, that's allowed. There's certain rules around it. Um, and, and I do think I think that's less of an issue for some of the NIMBYs. I mean, what they're what many of them are protesting is just more density. Right. Uh, and whether that means, you know, building townhomes closer to their homes where there's only detached or even building semis on a, in an area where there's only detached homes. This is what a lot of people are fighting. And certainly this is, uh, these are policies that need to change uh, to ensure that we're building more densely in, in our already developed uh, neighborhoods. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so folks, we're going to be right back. I've got uh, John Pasalis with me this hour, and uh, he is the president of Real Philosophy Realty. And uh, definitely, we've got a lot more to talk about. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is John Pasalis, and he is the president of Real Philosophy Realty in Toronto. Uh, they use a lot of data analysis to advise residential real estate buyers, sellers, and investors. Um, John, you know we've we've had a great conversation so far today. Uh, again, so much going on in the the world of real estate. You know, there's always a, it was always a hot topic over the last few years around the water cooler at work. I think it still is where you know people are getting more and more concerned about interest rates. Let's uh, let's let's talk about that for a second because you know this this past week we saw a half a point increase uh, to the Bank of Canada. Some people are saying potentially that might be telling us that you know they're they're going to start you know slowing down on the increases. But then of course the U.S. Fed comes swinging for the fences with a three quarter percent increase. Um, you know our 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 previous um, governor of of the Bank of Canada. Uh, Stephen Pelosi, he um, he actually never took step with the U.S. He he actually deviated. Seems like Tiff Macklin seems to want to keep pace with the U.S. What do you think? Well, I mean, historically Canada generally has, uh, but I think you know going forward they may not be able to. I mean, and, and part of the challenge is going to be that um, our our economy in Canada is far more sensitive to higher rates than the U.S. and largely because uh, Canadians are far more indebted and far more leveraged. So higher rates have a much bigger impact on households and our economy. So I, I would not be surprised if, if they do not, uh, you know, match every single increase that the Fed does, uh, in the, it, you know, in the months ahead. You know, it's it seems like we're nearing the end. At least that's kind of the message from the Bank of Canada. Um, that wasn't the message from the Fed. Um, so it will be interesting to see kind of what, what the Bank of Canada does uh, over the next, you know, three to six months. If, if the Fed keeps hiking, how the Bank of Canada responds. And again, I, I, like I said, I don't think we're going to match them, you know, every single, you know, rate hike. But um, it, it will still be certainly important to see how, how the Bank of Canada responds in the months ahead. So, you know, I know that you do a lot of uh, research and when we talk about, you know, renewals and mortgages and when we talk about terms and mortgages, so, you know, 2018 was not a huge um, transactional year because we just come off, you know, a downturn in the market. You know, we had foreign buyer tax implemented in 2017. Then we had the stress test in this at the top of 2018. So the number of transactions actually dropped a fair bit uh, in that year. So when, when, when I talk about the 2018 people, they're the ones that, you know, if they had a five-year term mortgage, they're the ones coming up for, for renewal this year coming up. And so, you know, taking a look at the number, you know, right now, a lot of a lot of mortgages, when we take a look at the overall Canadian marketplace, about 80% of people go to a fixed rate mortgage in comparison to, let's say, a variable. So my my, my question to you is, if, if we take a look at the numbers and we had a huge surge of purchases in, let's say, 2021, you know, 126,000 just in the GTA alone, you know, are some people safe from this interest rate increase for the next few years because they took the longer term mortgage with the lower interest rate? Well, I think that's the thing. I think over the past couple of years, we've seen a reverse in that trend. We've seen far fewer people go with long term mortgages and significantly more go with variable rate mortgages. Um, and that's been the trend uh, sort of during this COVID boom. Um, and that was really largely driven by the fact that variable rate mortgages were significantly lower uh, than fixed rate mortgages. So the, and the people that are, 
being impacted quite a bit right now are those people that decided to go with variable rate mortgages over the past couple of years. Um, some of them, if, if you want with Scotiabank, Scotiabank's the one bank where they'll actually increase your payment with every rate hike. So those people, you know, they've seen their payments go 50%. So if they were paying, you know, $2,000 a month in, uh, in February, their mortgage payment is now probably closer to $3,000 a month. Um, and everyone else whose payment hasn't increased are effectively now only interest only mortgages and may have to increase their payments regardless to ensure they're putting, paying down at least part of the principal. Uh, so a lot of the people who bought recently are being impacted because we saw far more people go with variable over the past couple of years. Yeah. Now, when we talk about mortgages as well, um, you know, when we talk about obviously variable fixed, let's talk about amortization for a minute because it's been tabled that, you know, right now you can get a 30 year amortization. There is some discussion potentially of going up to 35, you know, back in the early 2000s, they actually had 40 year amortization because they were trying to get more first-time home buyers coming into the marketplace. Could you see them introducing, you know, the higher amortizations? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to see higher amortizations uh, for new purchases, right? What we might see is banks start allowing longer amortizations on renewals, right? So think about it this way. If I have a mortgage now and I got it, um, you know, five years ago and I started at 30 and now I have to renew my mortgage at a 25 year amortization. Well, my payments are still going to go up like 50% because rates are significantly higher. So my instinct is banks, not banks, the banking regulator may allow longer amortizations for existing homeowners to soften that payment increase, right? So rather than my payments going up a thousand bucks a month, you know, they, they extend my amortization longer, so they only go up 500 a month. Uh, I think that's possible. Again, we haven't seen that yet. OSPI, which is the bank regulator, hasn't announced that. But I, I do think that's possible. And I think, you know, and I think policymakers are thinking about doing that because um, it's, it's going to be good for the economy. If people's, you know, mortgage payments go up significantly, it just means they have significantly less money to spend, uh, which could, you know, leads to a much deeper recession. So I think this is one of the reasons why they're thinking about doing this. So one last uh, thought for, for the day then, um, you know, typically in, in real estate, we always see a bit of a cycle where, you know, you come into the spring market and, and typically before the pandemic, that, that was normally the high line. You know, we always had these cycles every single year. And one of the things that we did see is the banks normally coming out with a little bit heavier discount to try to attract people to their bank, you know, come spring market, you know, BMO did it, you know, would see Scotia do it. And then if Scotia did, RBC would do it. So we see the different banks, they start to compete for people's business. Do you see that potentially happening in 2023 where they're actually going to start trying to compete for the business? Cause that, you know, after, after 2022, a lot of, a uh, lot of business lost. So do you think that the banks could actually, you know, hop on board and say, look, it will take a little bit more yeah, off, off the product so we can get you in here. I mean, very possible. I mean, I think everyone's, you know, business is being impacted and the banks including. Um, but I think the challenge is just going to be the rates are still going to be high for people, right? So I don't think, you know, th this is, I think this is important for, for banks to, you know, attract people who are already in the market or trying to decide who to get their mortgage from. But I don't think them competing in rates is going to necessarily lead to a much bigger increase in demand because it's already hard for people to buy at today's prices at today's interest rates. 
Um, so I don't think that in and of itself is going to lead to a, a, a demand boom, but we might see, you know, we might see the banks start competing a little bit more in the new year. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, John, real pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining me, joining me again. And uh, look, look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thanks again for having me. So that was John Pasalas, and he is the president of Realosophy Realty. And um, yeah, great to have him on the show again. It's been a while since I talked to John and, you know, get his perspective on things and what is happening in the real estate market. You know, numbers are a funny thing. Uh, you know, if you, you, if you ask an accountant, there's an absolute. Um, I always kid about this, but if you ask an appraiser, there's a certain number. If you ask the tax collector, it's worth another price. So everybody has their way of calculating out values and numbers. But you know what? John does a great job in it. He's a leading uh, expert in the field. So uh, great having him on the show. And um, so, you know what? That's uh, that's a wrap. I can't believe it. You know, here we are. We're in November you know, uh, once again, I hope everybody realizes that, uh, you know, the hour we went back, that's right, today is the fallback day. If you don't have the electronics that tell you that, well, go change your uh, your clock on your on your stove. And, and other than that, um, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, you can follow me on Instagram, The Simple Investor One. You'll find out about some of our new programs coming up and when our next seminar webinar is going to be coming up. And um, that's it. So I do want to thank Ian and Omar. They keep it simple for me every single week. And more importantly, I do want to thank you for tuning in and making us the number one real estate talk show. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. I'll be back next Sunday at noon. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.